Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Lord Ward from the Australian Bureau. Logging in. This is Maud Marty from the Canadian Bureau. Logging in. And welcome to the latest episode of the Internationalist Club. This is Tim Sparrier, aka T Spurs, logging in from TIC headquarters here in London. Welcome to this month's episode of the Internationalist Club. Uh, I'm here in London. Um, hello, chaps. How are we doing? Very well, very well. Good morning. Good morning from Australia. Obviously, there's a time difference, and it's um, it's coffee o'clock here. Mm, <laughs> late at night for me. Late at night for me. Well, we're going to um, jump straight into news. Our, our main subject this episode is we're going to be swinging in the 60s but first gents um i'd like to know um what the news is where you are um i'd like to start with uh in canada with mob marty any news for you sir yes indeed we've got a big uh, exciting mod weekender happening this weekend in montreal called the mod trial 
weekender. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be uh, starting on Friday night, and we've got about eight DJs uh, coming up from the states, uh, actually from all over North America. Um, and we've got an event happening Friday night, got a scooter ride Saturday, an event Saturday afternoon, uh, another event Saturday night, and then uh, Sunday afternoon as well. So it's going to be a full weekender and uh, uh, oodles of um, mods DJing and uh, scooter rides, you know, fashion. We're going to do some record swapping it's gonna be an amazing time very excited about it fantastic and of course uh my my end on angleterre as it were we've had brighton scooter rally scooter rally and isle of Wight. the big ones have been this weekend because it's been the bank holiday weekend i have gone to neither because i am injured sportingly injured disabled as it were um but first before i get onto that um and uh matthew matthew news sir news Uh Yes, mate. Before we get to Australian news, so obviously English news, there was a, wasn't there a, a modernist dignitary come over to England a couple of weeks ago? Didn't that happen? There was? Who who, who came over? Self-proclaimed. Oh, oh, oh. Well, that's true. I, well, royalty, Lord Lord and Lady, yeah. um, well, current, current Lady Ward, yeah. um, appeared in um, in Soulside Towers, where I'm in Margate, my, my seaside resort, rather than my London um, London abode. Um, and we had a, a couple of swift halves of shandy down by the sea, I believe. It was lovely, yeah. yeah. We, scrum, we... And I did a radio show. I had most fun. I don't feel at all excluded. Well, you know, it's, there's it's, these aeroplanes and, yeah. and pop over. You did come over, sir. That was um, two or three weeks. And... Uh, and the Blur concert, the Blur Weller Select concert, and you couldn't stop the colourful explanations of what went on. Tell tell me about that, Mr. Ward. Yeah, Lord so, Ward. Uh, oh, man, every time. That's okay. That's okay. You're, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Um, yes, yeah, so we, uh, me and Jimmy Sammy went to the UK for three weeks. Um, partly little, you know, little holly bobs and put handkerchiefs on our head and sat on the beach like you do when you're in England. And partly to catch the Blur Weller concert. Now, I know Blur is not automatically a band you think when you think of modernism, but I think they've got their sure place in the world. And I've never been—I've um, been a fan, but not not a you know I'm going to travel twelve thousand miles to go and see him kind of fan. So it was kind of a um, done on the spur of the moment. But wow, what a gig, gentlemen! Ninety thousand people packed in Wembley Stadium. Firstly, Weller he came on and. Um, what I really like about Weller, Weller's legend, right? But he came on and he was very, very humble, went, hey, boys and girls, thank you for coming today. You're obviously not here to see me. You're here to see the big band Blur. However, I hope to, keep you ent- <laughs> he helped, hope to keep you entertained for, for, for an hour. And, and it, it was heartfelt. It wasn't, it wasn't being a dick. It was, it was heartfelt. And uh, he played, I've seen Weller many, many times, but it's very rare he does a greatest hit set, which is exactly what he did. Uh, he played the solo stuff, the council, the jam, all the stuff we love. There was one particular poignant moment um, where we did That's Entertainment, which uh, yeah, we all love it, That's Entertainment. But there was 90,000 people to a man, to a woman, singing their hearts out. It was it was one of those moments where oh, you know the, the shivers went up your spine kind of thing. There was a couple yeah. of um, sort of beefy middle-aged 
you know, I would imagine there were, there were mods back in the in the revival days that were just bawling their eyes out hearing this. It was quite quite a moment, and um, I thought that was going to be the highlight of the gig. But then Blur took it another level up as well, so they were just phenomenal. And again, very very humble. Damon sort of broke down in tears halfway through the gig because he was just overwhelmed with emotion about um, this whole thing about ninety thousand people come see him. So yeah, fabulous trip, amazing. And, and, we saw, and we saw Tim. Well, you know, um, <laughs> I bet we shouldn't we shouldn't say that Selector are not a shabby band either, right? No, 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 no. Yes, quite correct, Tim. So yeah, Selector kicked things off, and uh, for, yeah, just such energy from um, from Paul, and they were just amazing. Yeah, bouncing up and down, very uh, very strong political views, and she got those across really well so i marty i think you've got some extra news you, you you're slipping under the radar so you're hiding your your something under a bushel or whatever the phrase is tell me tell me about well, I did. a new publication sir yes well I, I i mentioned it last month uh that i was doing a comic uh scooter mod uh comic and uh i since then it's been published and printed um, I've got a handful of copies that are, are printed physical copies now. And it's a comic that is about, uh, being a mod in, uh, the West coast of Canada in the early 1990s as a huge, uh, neo-Nazi, um, resurgence at the time. And so it's sort of, uh, it, it revolves around that story and some science fiction about uh, uh, the Canadian government and spies and all sorts of fun stuff. And it will be available for sale. I'm going to start a Kickstarter on the 15th of September. It's called Shadow Company, and uh, it's by Mod Marty, the whole thing. I wrote it, drew it, the whole thing. Oh, your mic's not on. We can't wait. We really can't wait for that. I'm going to, um, some little news for me then. Little news, tiny little news for me. I, at the weekend, went to see Ain't Too Proud to Beg, the Temptations musical, which was um, in a theatre in Soho, in, uh, you know, our our Eden, if you like, our creation story. So it's quite interesting seeing that um, in Soho, you know, Greek Street and walking past Ronnie Scott's and having a drink. Um, the music was pretty good, but the audience were, I'd literally rather stab myself in the face with a fork. It was so bad. Etiquette, sirs. Hmm. It's etiquette. And we talk about this a lot, don't we? I think some of the etiquette has gone out of theatres that people think is acceptable to sing all the way through. And I'm thinking, I've paid good money. To hear them on the stage, not some idiot behind me singing my girl at the top of her drunken voice (laughs) or talking or shrieking with amazement at something we know's happened because it's history. (sighs) So it kind of didn't ruin it, but it was like, am am I, am I being a grouchy old man or is it, is it, I do think etiquette is, is, is problematic these days. What's your views? As a grouchy old man myself, uh, <laughs> I think you're you're spot on. I mean, I, I that would drive me mad. I I don't I it's, it astounds me because I go to a lot of theater and and that kind of thing. I haven't seen that kind of thing. 
although I've not been to, uh, you know, a, a, a musical where no music is played. Although I did go to a, a live production of Footloose and they used all 80s music, right? But nobody sang along. Yeah. Mm. So, People sang no, along. No, no, not, not okay. It, it, it's interesting, the... Um, the etiquette again when you travel around the world you pick up little nuances where we have different rules of engagement for different things an example um coming back to the uk i'm amazed about how polite everybody is when you're driving your car they let you in they wave it's it's a beautiful thing in australia not the case people will not let you in it doesn't matter um and then they'll give you the finger and all that kind of stuff so but um, yeah, so th there is subtle differences when you go around the world. With regards to music and theatre etiquette, I generally, again, in Australia, they're quite well behaved. So, uh, the, you know, from, from being, once they're in this tin box, they just turn into this uh, rude, obnoxious animal. But um, generally out in the street and at places where the public come together, they're generally very well behaved, bizarrely. Yeah, well, I hope, I hope. Us as an organisation, the International Club, are at the forefront of politeness and etiquette yes. and thoughtfulness for others, yes. which seem to be acutely missing in this theatre of that <laughs> night. Lucky I was, lucky we're not armed in the UK. That's all I can say mm. occasionally. Um, <laughs> my only other bit of news is my beautiful uh, 1974 Vespa um, 90 was back on the road. So I've been, I've been dabbling really? down to Margate and it's been beautiful. Just my love. That's my last. Is, is that uh, is that still doable with your leg in its current condition? Oh, yeah. Sorry, dear dear listener. I I may have um, had a sporting injury. I had one a couple of weeks ago playing baseball. Oh. Yes, Marty, I play baseball, and uh, whilst rounding second, <laughs> I am um, whilst rounding second on a glorious thing. I fell oh. um, like a big fat. 50 something year old and hurt my knee. Um, but it's sort of on the repair. And then today I've, I'm done my LCL, which is the kind of one of the cruciate ligaments on the outside of your knee. So now I'm done, done. So no yeah. more riding. It's yeah. done. But it led me onto the weather, which has been really nice here for the last few days. So riding down the seaside on the scooter was absolutely beautiful. So it's been quite nice. Although it's starting to chilly off. Um, so after we've done news, we always do the weather. Um, mm. I'm going to go to, um, to Marty, how's Canada on a, on a, today? I got to say, this has been a very wet summer. It's been, it was really hot in June, like really, really hot. And then it got really wet, which in this part of Canada means enormous amounts of mosquitoes and wasps. Hmm. Uh, the mosquitoes come from the moisture and the, the wasps come because of the heat in June. But as I mentioned last month, you know, half the country's on fire. So, <laughs> so, so the rain, so the rain's not too shabby at that point. Uh, really. Well, on the, at this, like on the prairies, for sure. Like in the middle of the country, um, you know, it's great that we don't, you know, we're wet, so we're not bursting into flames. But on the west coast, where my family lives, you know, places are being, um, everybody's being cleared out because the mm. the mountains are on fire. Wow, it's terrible. Wow. Well, turning the world upside down, um, we're heading into spring, Lord Ward, correct? Uh, yeah, before I get onto that, Marty, you're not selling Canada, so you're either minus 30 and freezing your bits off, you're on fire, you're flooding, or you're getting taken away by a seven-foot mosquito. Mate, I'm, 
Yeah. You, Not you, just, you just nailed it. Visit Canada. <laughs> Visit Canada. <laughs> We're either freezing or on fire. <laughs> that's, mm. that's the it's absolute like, truth. I don't, I can't sugarcoat it. I mean, no, you know. it sounds like prehistory <laughs> Egypt at this point. We're waiting for wasps and boils and stuff to happen. Well, you know, it's funny, like, like having grown up and lived on the uh, on the island on the off the west coast that is gorgeous because it's separated from the mainland it doesn't burst into flames it's uh you know the weather's very temperate and it's it's lovely but yeah in the prairies weather is extreme we have you know tornadoes and of course you do (laughs) yeah we don't get tornadoes in margate do you get tornadoes in brisbane (laughs) No, mate. No, no, no. So to answer the first question, yeah, look, Queensland weather is very, very predictable in a good way. So it's sunny. It's, you know, mid-20s. It's beautiful scooter riding weather. Um, to come back to having your scooter back on the road, mate, It's isn't it a joy to to ride a scooter in good weather? I don't think there's oh. anything finer in life. Well, there's maybe a couple of things which I can't talk about on the show. But anyway, yeah, but the scooter riding in the sun is just a wonderful thing a wonderful thing yeah it is i mean i when i was right twice when i was riding back because it was in the garage getting done and on the ride back from the garage twice i stopped at traffic lights and people literally wound down the window and went i love your scooter and then drove off and was like well thank you well thank you and it was beautifully (laughs) warm and i had a bit of music going in my ears a bit of northern soul it was like a joy matt exciting I've actually now got a mental image of um, Mod Marty riding his scooter through the floods, through the flames, with a seven-foot wasp then taking him off from his scooter into the distance. That's it. I'm a sure that's image. his next um, his that's, next novel. My yeah. next, yeah, the next yeah. comic's going to be that super super Marty on his scooter. Bless you. Yeah. Right, gentlemen. <laughs> let's go on to our main subject, which yes. um, last. Last episode, we covered the kind of beginnings of Maud in Soho yeah. and a beautiful music was going on. We um, And we had a little debate afterwards and, and we decided we would step into the swinging 60s. Mm. We would pace into it. So we, we, we sort of left it with this kind of cliquey group of people that was start to, starting to expand and become more popular um, in the kind of late 50s and early 60s. And then all of a sudden things start exploding yeah probably um, um and that's usual sorry Let's go from matthew no you just, go matthew just to paint a picture of where we're at so um as you beautifully put together there um we were coming so england was coming out of the second world war there's a lot of austerity there was there was no money at that time and coming from the late 50s into the 60s things started to pick up there was a there was a degree of optimism back in the country and um yeah those little groups that you were talking about suddenly it it gained momentum didn't it so coming into the what was it the mid to late 60s um the whole thing pretty much went went more mainstream and became more of a commercial venture as well so i've got three words to me that describe the swinging 60s the mid to late 60s so um modernity consumerism and hedonism i think they're three words that encapsulated that era i um i've never wished for any other life than my own i love my life i've loved what i've done and what i'm gonna do but if i could go back 
in time, that's where I'd be. Uh, yeah. a teenager yeah, in 1965 yeah and you know i think a big part of what brings it into the mainstream too it's important to note is the media right or at least in, in when it comes to modernism uh ready steady go and shows like that were things that took the dances the fashion the music and turned it to the general public who didn't have much uh, of a choice of what to watch in TV in the evening. So Ready, Steady, Go is on, and uh, they're, they're being exposed to something very exciting, very new, very young, you know. Mm. And that, that had a lot to do, I think, with, uh, with that becoming popular, like taking, taking that subculture and, and making it popular. Yeah, I think what... what... Interesting, we're talking about the dates you're talking about the mid-60s. I think, as far as I remember, Ready, Steady, Go starts about 1963, um, which is kind of, I would suggest that the peak of that kind of commercial modernism is 63 to about 67, because once we, we'll get onto that later, yeah, I agree where with that. it shifts onto, and, and, and maybe we'll talk about other subcultures, because often they only really last two or three years, and mm. then they move somewhere else. So... If we're looking at 63 when Ready, Steady, Go starts, um, and we will briefly tip our hats and many other things to um, the lovely Kathy McGowan, of course. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and um, interestingly, that brings that modernist culture into people's living rooms. So rather than just the odd young man or woman turning up and going, wow, don't they look cool? All of a sudden you've got this, you know, absolute explosion on your television of music and fashion and cool people. Um, right. Where do you think um, the Lord Ward, mm -hmm. where, where do you think, do you think that was a good thing or a bad thing for modernism? I, oh, hundred percent a good thing. I, I don't subscribe to this underground sort of movements. I think, um, yeah, modernism should be for everybody. Everybody should be able to access that or w even want to access that. So, yeah, the underground thing, 100%, I, I, don't, I think that's a negative thing, just trying to keep our own little sort of secret club under here. No, let's, if it's good, expose it to the world. Marty? I have to agree, and I have to say that it is what has kept it alive that if it stayed an underground thing and wasn't popularized, it would have died. It absolutely would have died because people who were exposed to it later on, like myself, uh, were only exposed to it because of certain points of popularity or points where it was brought into the mm. general social conscious. Yeah. So then it becomes pop culture, right? It, it just it doesn't become a little clique as um, the Lord War says. It becomes it comes into the mainstream and it becomes its own thing in pop culture, which is and 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 grows on its own out of that thing to become something much bigger. And because it was made up of so many different things, uh, musically and fashion and and uh, it. it because it was made up of all those things, it actually does broaden the audience, if that yeah. makes yeah. any sense. Absolutely. It, uh, you know, when you're talking about, yeah, the different interests, like if you're interested in in blues and Italian uh, cinema 
and you know uh, micro cars then you know you're still within that um it, you're actually part of the building blocks of what will become modernism by the end of the 60s you know the real modernism absolutely lord ward yeah, Marty's spot on. So uh, I believe the, the modernism movement it encapsulated so many things, encapsulated music, fashion, cinema. I mean, back then there was a surge of really expressive films that um, you know the world hadn't seen, specifically in England. Uh, I mean, the, the iconic block film, which um, you know spawned a, a crap radio show many decades later, but, <laughs> but films like that sort of came out that the world hadn't seen. And, you know, were they great films? I don't know. But they uh, even now they get comments and they're interesting um, to us all now. Well, yeah, film, uh, absolutely. Even more than that, though, um, they, they if they weren't great films, they still had so much to say about what was happening at the time. Like um, La Vida, what was the Italian film? Um, the Dolce Vita. La Dolce Vita, that's the one. Yeah, um, that had that feel to it. It was more of the feel, more of the essence of the film than the actual film itself or its storyline, like Breathless. Um, uh, there's so many of them that uh, the knack and how to get it even, you know, like that was very mod, mod film. I mean, just the fact that... I mean, the main character rode a motorcycle, but if he had ridden a scooter, it would have been the absolutely perfect. Absolutely. Lord, Lord Ward. Yeah, I think, I mean, as well as cinema and music and fashion, we've also got, it kind of spurned um, teenagers and young people to become politically active as well. The, the activism at the time was like the anti-nuclear thing, right? That was just starting um becoming you know everyone was very aware there was uh there was a sexual liberation going going happening at the time as well uh, let's be honest gents that's not for gents because i think they've always had sexual liberation but for um for females there was a sexual li- liberation so there was a lot of things changing at that time and i think it it um it just encouraged people to think a bit differently it encouraged people to be a bit freer with their thoughts with their actions uh, it was uh, yeah to me it was a real fork in the road where the world just got a, a more interesting place what i wanted to move on to though is this that interesting when we spoke about that kind of beatnicky quite bespoke idea of what mod started off with that kind of cliquey stuff that actually and you mentioned it matt was the idea that of consumerism mm. that actually we bring on things like mary quant and then um, chains of stuff like Chelsea Girl and Concept Man in the UK um, and shoes being not, you don't have to get them made by, you know, handmade um, and scooters, obviously that you've got this mass consumerism of reasonably good quality items that you don't have to pay a lot for, but that still look cool. And do you think uh, Marty that that really pushed this forward from something that was very, very new and different? I do think it, it did. And I think that it also had a lot to do with the fact that, as we've mentioned before in previous shows, that the teenager was becoming somebody who had a little bit of money and that they were becoming the consumers, that uh, they were the ones sort of driving 
everything forward. Whereas previous to this, uh, everything was driven forward simply by need and, you know, not too much focus on, on, on looking particularly special in any way. It was more like, you know, you're, you're a businessman, you wear a suit, you go to work, wear a hat, you know, like that kind of thing. Whereas the youth were like, no, I'm going to have, you know, five inch vents and three, four button jackets. And I'm going to, you know, have my pants up high and, you know, all the things that, that we did or the mods did at the time to, uh, create, like I said, they're building blocks to what would be ultimate mod by the end of the sixties. Yeah. And I think as we are the internationalist club, and we spoke about this last episode was the idea that all those things were coming from lots of different areas and people could travel, um, because uh, they had their scooters or they had more money, they could fly and do things. So that that, that that was a more broader sense. You didn't live and grow up and die in the same town anymore. You could move around and do those things and have all that culture. Marty? Yeah, and I did want to mention that in North America, there was a very different kind of culture going on and it surrounded, as we were talking about activism earlier, the Vietnam War. And that... In, in North America for the North American uh, youth led to hippies and, and that sort of uh, West Coast kind of culture, um, which oddly, uh, talking about uh, like the collegiate look and things like that, still fed back to the UK um, formation of what mod was. And, and it still influenced that, despite the fact that it was going off in a very, very different direction. Absolutely. Um, Lord Ward. Yeah, Marty's touched on a point. So obviously Swing in London was 100% the hub of this, right? And it kind of dissipated out. I know in Australia, um, again, I wasn't here obviously at the time, but uh, I think it took two or three years for it to to um, to filter out to here. But um Marty Canada, sort of America, how uh, the 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 ripples from London? How long did it take to get to to your neck of the woods? Assuming you weren't on fire or underwater <laughs> at the time. Oddly enough, it it, it ha- I, I'd have to say that it started with the Beatles. Like when the Beatles came to North America, it uh, opened up this floodgate of interest to the 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 what we call the British invasion. Um, which wasn't exclusive to the United States. The British invasion definitely was just as important to uh, Canadians as well. And there were so many Canadian bands that I play on my show and that I come across constantly that are called things like the Liverpool this and the, you know, British beat that. And there's actually a, a band from Winnipeg called the British Mods, which, you know, they were probably not even mods and they were definitely not British. So it's one of those things where um, what was happening in the UK was definitely influencing Canada, probably a lot more than than the United States. The United States does tend to have its own way of doing things. And, you know, their, their arrogance and standoffishness makes them do things their way but 
we're still part of the Commonwealth as well. So we're also Absolutely. still connected to the uh, yeah. The UK. So you kind of bridge that gap quite interestingly. And talking about the Commonwealth, Mister uh, uh, the Lord Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So in, in Australia, I again, my understanding is sort of. 67 68 this wave came over i think um the easy beats probably were the most defined group from australia so that, i think they um they ended up living in london and i think they dissipated after a couple of years but um yeah they brought the whole modernist thing so you'll see pictures of australian i don't think they call themselves mods but you know suddenly they had suits on they had the sort of bowl haircuts and uh, there was that whole movement they turned into um over in Australia, we have a thing called Sharpies, um, which are, is kind of a, I think we'd call them suede heads in England, that kind of thing. Um, so, quite... yeah, it spurned a lot of different cultures from that. Well, that's, and we spoke about this, I think, maybe on the first episode, and we will move on to um, music soon, music choices. But it's interesting, perhaps, to think that perhaps England the UK, Britain, whichever way you want to float that boat, is one of the only cultures that has, that had this tribalism. Mm. That you, in in North America, maybe you've got the beatniks and you've got that, but there wasn't a sense of, I am this and not that and this. Whereas in, in the UK, you've got mods and rockers and hippies, you know, the very distinctive tribal groups do you think, um, let's start with Marty, that that was the, quite specific to the UK? I think in a lot of ways it was very specific to the UK. I think the only group that I can say, like, they're this, it would, would have been the hippies at that time. Um, everybody else, uh, you know, didn't need that sort of thing. But hippies were definitely like, you know, be cool, free love, you know, take some drugs and everybody you know, tune out. And that's, that was a definite, uh, group and tribe, if you will, but not in the way that the UK did at at all. And I think that that, I don't know what, why that is, but it's, it's, it's definitely there. Like it's the UK is definitely known for that or, it is. I may, I may in future episodes, I, I got in contact with an old friend of mine called Gareth Brown. He was the editor of um, Scootering Magazine for many years. I, yeah, I used to live right. next door to him. Huh. And uh, and turns out he, he became a, a lecturer in um, sociology. Uh, he wrote the Scooter Boys book, if you want to pick it up on Amazon. It's, written, it's one of the better books about modernism. And that. Um, but I think I might tap him up to come on and ask that question because I don't know if I've got an answer to that because it's quite interesting that I could mm. specifically label a ton of different subcultures, and I mean a ton of them. And yeah. yet I don't think I could do that in another country. Do you think that's the same, the law board? I think you're spot on, mate. Yeah, I'm just deeply thinking as to why. Obviously, you know, I was born and raised in, in England like you were, mate, and um, you, you're, you're spot on. I think we've, we've said it in previous episodes – where I, I was, I was born in the Midlands. It was it was tribal, but it was tribal as in, um, you know, this is our town, and you're in that town. So there was sort of punks, mods, and skinners that were all mates, but the tribal thing was was our town. That makes sense. But it was still very very tribal. If you weren't from our town, um, you know, was, watch out that kind of thing. Was that um, 
only in school or did, was that true do you think outside of of uh of high school because the for for me any of those cliques like we had goths we had uh uh art freaks or whatever you wanted to call us because i was one of them um and and where i grew up we had gunnets which were throwbacks to the 50s greasers and um that sort of thing really only existed in high school like once you got out of high school there was no cliques or anything like that yeah but i think it seemed to me that mod and and those kinds of subcultures hmm. do, extended past school I think we're slow growers in the UK because I think it still exists in, I don't know, late teenage, early 20s, maybe even later, like the football terrace thing. Mate, you've got people in their mid-30s, 40s, and it's still so tribal. So it's it's a, yeah, it's a mindset rather than age thing in the UK, well, definitely. With certain uh, subcultures, for sure, the, the, the uh, punk and goth subculture in Canada is very strong and very mm. tight still yeah. to this day. But it's interesting that they are both UK subcultures, right? I'm, I'm just wondering that Absolutely. they didn't, you know, didn't come out. Let's move on because I, I want to I wanna return to the swing 60s and, and delve into our music. As always, we have yes. um, three, three music choices each. Um, and I thought this was really, really interesting because there's so many ways we could go on with this. And I chose last, um, which obviously narrowed my choices because... Um, I didn't want to step on anyone else's toes. Yeah, Matt's um, yeah. two of mine. I think, I think, which one of you gents hmm. um, went went to the anthem? It's went straight to the anthem itself um, with my generation. Who was that? Who was Moi. that? Me. It needed to happen. One of us had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so your first choice is the Who, my generation. Pour, yes. Pourquoi? And, well for so many reasons it's the the who uh they they were mods they were a mod band they were a band that mods loved they the song is about my generation it's about the now right and it's sung in a way that uh for those who don't know the stuttering comes from the drug use um and the that that's done very purposefully to say you know my young generation doing uppers and uh and we're going out and raising hell you know and that that as you said it's an anthem and it it does define in many ways uh modernism of that time and i thought i felt as though it needed to happen at least one thing from the who had to happen and that was the most obvious to me. <clears throat> well let's have a listen to that and we'll 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 be back after the musical interlude. We all say I'm not trying to cause a big s -s sensation I'm just talking about my 
think what we all That was my generation for the who. Obviously, my generation from the who. Interest. Some interesting questions come out of that because you mentioned some before: drug use, um, swearing, yes, um, or non-swearing, as it might be. Do you think that was in in British culture in particular? And we can go on to the difference. And we talked about the difference in in kind of black music, black North American music, which was risque. Like you wouldn't believe. Yes. <laughs> in terms of mainstream British music, do you think that was a, f- a first? Uh, it, if it's not a first, it's very close to being a first because, I mean, I, I, it, it really defines punk in a lot of ways because what it was doing was really thumbing its nose at authority, trying to push the envelope as much as absolutely possible and uh, and being tr- not being offensive, right? It was still a very popular song. And they I don't know, I'm sure the BBC played it, right? I mean, they were very, very strict about their rules about what they were going to play. But in popular, on popular TV shows like uh, Ready, Steady, Go or radio, the BBC controlled everything. And, and therefore, the, for The Who to be able to do a song like that that is so anarchistic in so many ways and the BBC to not pick up on that and to allow it to be played out and to become popular. It's, it's a beautiful thing really. And it's what, it's what mod is. Mod is partly dressed punk. Totally. So (laughs) um, I, I, I tapped into my research center, my, my bank of research stuff in the back there. Shush. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Dave. Um, and the BBC initially banned my generation. Ah. Uh, initially, but reversed their decision on popular thing because they thought it may offend. 
um, was interesting. Interesting because I did think it was banned briefly. It's it is the um, uh, the, the Sex Pistols of the time, right? Totally right. Sex yeah. Pistols. And like I said, punk. Now, now we're talking <laughs> about um, things moving from that kind of mini subculture to something bigger. You could see how that would rile the teenagers and get them going to be something different. Do you think the same, Matt? Absolutely. Yeah, my generation, iconic track. And, and interestingly, no one's ever cover, covered it with any degree of success, which to me is a, a sign of a quite unique record because that's generally not the case. Um, it only worked when it worked. It only worked when it came yeah. out. Yeah. And look, it came all the way to like Liam Gallagher obviously replicates that style of lyrics uh, when he was with Oasis, you know, that, that stuttering thing. And um, so obviously made a massive impact on a lot of people. I mean, as, as a piece of piece of work, it's just awesome. Sorry, that sounds really pretentious as a piece of work. It's a record, but it, it, it <laughs> sounds frigging awesome. It sounds fresh and um, you'd pop that on in your car anywhere and it just it, it just raises your heart rate, right? Yeah, and that's what absolutely. good music should be about. Totally, totally. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I think it, yeah, it's it's aggressive. It says everything that that that, that the mod culture had moved to at that point, right? Yeah, From that's uh, right. something kind of stylish and cool to, and it's a time. It's a moment when the bands in England were then leading the way. Like we talked in previous shows about how. Uh, North American music was influencing the UK, but now the UK bands were saying, this is the new music, right? And they're taking rock and roll and creating something new from it. And that's what the youth of the time is, is following. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Totally. I think it's interesting because that's 1965. So we've almost jumped a couple of years. If we talk about 63 mm. getting the start of a more um, broadened and commercial mod, that's 65 right, right deep in that. Well, six, did, six was the real, like... Absolutely. Yeah. But you could see why it's starting to choose off. Where did you go, Matt, with your first choice? Um, with, uh, just a bit of a caveat here. So whenever I'm asked to pick tracks for, for, for anything, I try not to think too deeply. You can overanalyze yourself. So I generally, the first three tracks coming to me are generally the ones I'll, I'll put out. So apologies, Marty, for potentially nicking yours. So Just goes to show we had the, we had the same thoughts. Uh, so. we're <laughs> it's a good thing. You may be on fire or freezing, but we're aligned. Um, my first thoughts came to the creation um, and 
the again the iconic track Biff Bang Pow. So that was released October '66. So we're, we're slap bang in the middle of it, right? Yep. And uh, commercially, it wasn't a success. I think um, it got to about I don't know '30s or '40s in the charts. Did well in Europe, um, and and the band sort of I don't know they they went through a few iterations of themselves with people leaving and, and coming and going. I think they got Ronnie Wood in in there at some point. I think he played with most bands right. in those in those uh, <laughs> mid sixties. Um, but they, they sort of diminished pretty much as quickly as they came. But that actual track, I just love it. And it's a great B side, obviously Painter Man. Um any budding DJs, there's a there's a double banger right there for you. Yep. Um I don't know. It, it it's it's there's there's records of equal quality, but that just always stands out to me. Whenever I play it, you know, people go nuts for it. Um, apparently it inspired, obviously inspired um, the boy Weller, the Who, the Pistols, even Led Zepp picked up on some of the um, some of the chords that the creation used, and um, and also go, going along with the the uh, the whole theme of the sixties. I think there were there were a couple of them were were art students, so you know on stage they'd have live spray painting like bits of art, and I think they had new models that were sprayed. And um, so, yeah, it was very much a, a show, which, again, again, just personifies the swinging 60s to me. Wish I was there. And it, the pop art uh, part of it, the Biff Bang Pow, the, the sound effects being mm. a, a very pop art thing, like uh, Lichtenstein was doing paintings of these things. And uh, the Batman TV show at the time was, you know, always throwing yeah. up those artistic sound effects. And I think they very purposely... Uh, drew from that mm. little caveat here so the b-side painter man was covered by boney m apparently yes i've played it out many times i actually enjoy their version <laughs> <laughs> Scream and shout Beep, bang, bang 
Oh, that's a banger of a tune. I mean, a banger of a tune, isn't it? It really is. In loads of different, load of different um, eras, I think. It's got a bit the jam. I've got some yeah. jam in there somewhere. I know much later on, and maybe they, you know, we know Mr. Weller likes to um, hmm. borrow. Um, what I do, yeah. I, it's, I'm going to shut up at this point because I've not gone anywhere. <laughs> well, I'm, it's, I'm, it's I'm, always it, it definitely the the punk thing comes back to me, like the 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 punk essence in the in the voice and the and the lyrics and everything to me it's right there you know punk before punk was a thing proto-punk proto-punk well i'm i i i'm gonna go backwards like you guys because i i pick some in kind of order kind of 62 63 65 66 so i'm gonna do my last one childhood (laughs) (laughs) i've gone I, I'm going to start boring people with the Yardbirds. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the Yardbirds. <laughs> I have picked, because um, uh, I the, the great thing is, dear listener, that I ask these gentlemen, and I use that term extremely loosely, um, for their choices, and they send them, and then I pick three. So I know what theirs are, but um, they show me theirs, um, but I don't show them mine. So uh, my one was the Yardbirds train kept, uh, kept a roll in. 1966, um, a cover one. version. Um, you, you know it, gents? Yeah, I, uh, there's, it. there's the version that was in um, Blow Up and the version that was released on the album are two different versions, right? They have they different are. lyrics. I think I've got the album version. Let me listen to it. and Let's listen to it and see, see which version. Hold on, guys. Here we go. Okay.
Now we're talking punk, right? 1966, yeah. Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck in that group. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm in love with the Yardbirds just because of all the people I have in it. But I think in terms it's of... It's a super group. Huh? It's, it's a super group. group. One of the first super groups and one of those ones. And of course, it became Led Zeppelin in the end, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I listen to it. I'm thinking, is that a mod group? Is it? They've taken something on. and deconstructed it. That's yeah. what I love about that track is they've deconstructed the track. And to me, that's, it's mod to, to recreate. Do you know what I mean? Like take something, deconstruct it and then recreate it as your own. Yeah. And it's got that, we back to that R and B sense game and talking yeah. about beautiful covers covered in 1974 by Aerosmith. <laughs> okay. Lord Ward. Uh, I love the Yardbirds. I'm with you, mate. And uh, that's probably my favourite track. Have you tried dancing to it? It's really tough to dance to. It's but, impossible um, to dance to. Just, uh, yeah, again, just an iconic track. I think we've done it. well. I think we've done yeah, well. Right. Those three tracks. It's, it's yep. pogoing, isn't it? It's like a pogo mm. track almost. Yeah. You can, probably you the do. only way you <laughs> could even dance to it. <laughs> exactly. So we, we, we've gone towards the back end of mod, right? 66, 67. Yeah. Um, and each each of us gone for a kind of garagey. Even I, I would say that my generations have got a garagey feel to it. Yep, it's kind of absolutely different. Um, well, who who wants to go next? Always go back to Marty. Second choice, Mod Marty. Uh, what was my second choice? It was because uh, I had to rethink. What did I tell you? <laughs> um, did you Never. go? You, you you got Shirley Ellis, or was it? Um, I, I uh, could go Shirley Alice uh, next. Who went the Kings? Time. I Me. was, it was you, right? Okay. Georgia Fame. Yeah, that's uh, me as well. Yeah, and then Small Faces. Small Faces. That's it, right? Right. We'll, okay. We'll stop there, and we'll go to Small Faces, or do you want to go Soul Time? Oh, we'll we'll go to Small Faces uh, because what I wanted to talk about was the the way that the British mod bands like the Small Faces and the Who who, you know, weren't trying to be anything other than that, what they were, uh, and were on like, honestly coming by this music, you know, um, the small faces were an exceptional band. I absolutely love them. Uh, and I find them to be so mod, um, and underrated and underplayed, uh, not by the mod, group you know like we play them quite a lot but but you don't hear them outside of of mods no that's interesting isn't it because i would ask you that most people who were mods and say who are your well at least your top three or certainly probably your favorite i reckon the top would come out the small faces wouldn't yeah. it matt you think matt uh I, I love the small faces they're probably 
they don't have a big enough catalogue to me to be one of my favourites. But, yeah, just I love the fact they looked good, they sounded good, they were just the complete band. They just didn't go long enough for And me. they experimented in, like, they t- had almost the, the Beatles arc of experimentation inside of, like, four years like half the time they yeah. went from the 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 covers and the r&b influence stuff to the more psychedelic stuff in a much shorter period of time well let's listen to what you got to do about it <laughs> I mean, it's just an anthem every single yes. time. Matthew Ward, Matthew Ward. Yes, where sir. Where are you going? I am going late 60s. And again, this came straight to my head. Georgie Fame now. We know the cool jazz Georgie Fame in the sort of early to, to mid 60s. Then he, he sort of came out with Yeah, Yeah, which got him a bit of commercial success. Then, um, I don't know, he's probably going a little bit more mainstream, which is what we're talking about Um with the whole swing 60 thing. This particular track is a, to me is a mod anthem. I love hearing it. Unfortunately, I don't own a copy. Uh, but this is uh, 1968. Somebody stole my thunder. Georgie fame. <laughs> Those and the 
I mean, in terms of modernness, uh, people think of Georgie Fame and, and is down the list. But I'm I'm with Matthew, top one of the tops on my list. What do you think, uh, Marty? Oh, absolutely. I I <laughs> had uh, I've had this on my want list forever, and I finally got an original copy uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, I just I covet it. <laughs> it's absolutely to me one of one of the because it's as a piece of music it is so rich it is so full mm. it's got so much going on and it's so powerful and it it's not just about georgie's voice and the and the organ it's about the entire composition and it has the the feeling and flavor of modernism to me and i think um anyone uh who's looking to dive deeper into 60s modernism should should go for georgie georgie's yeah. So cool in so many respects. So, yes. I'm going to go for my my second choice. Jump straight into there. And I, gentlemen, I've got a bone, a bone to pick. I couldn't believe that none of you had picked a Motown track. And my view is this: right, without Motown, the modernism is 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 not as popular. Is not as popular as it would have been without listening um, to that cross of rock and r&b that was motown and i've picked um my favorite motown track because um anytime it's played it just makes me happy that most motown tracks do Mm. um and i've gone uh martha reeve and the vandellas uh nowhere to run which i think is iconic let's listen to that now
Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, there's no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> we we should have uh, thought. Well, I, I did think uh, Motown, but you're you're right about Motown being that that uh, conduit. You know, the the thing that you know it held, it brought all the popularity of of soul music and of the modern of mod. That was happening in in the swinging 60s in in london but it was it, it kept on feeding it and the the popularity of those motown bands in north america when they went to england to do their shows they could not believe their popularity there no absolutely astounding. and do you know the story about how martha started singing no so she she was a secretary at um hitsville and uh they would um of course, they had the Funk Brothers who would play the backing tracks. But the law in the state said, and I don't know if it was the whole of the states or it was just um, Illinois, that um, you, couldn't, um, you couldn't play music without a singer. It was against the union rules. 
one day the union organizer bowls in everyone went oh my god and the funk brothers are playing and she said i'll have a go and that was how martha reeve and van zellis martha that's reeve awesome signed. that's awesome and, wow. and they went huh <laughs> she can sing wow she was like and and if that hadn't happened she put herself forward there would be no martha reeve and van zellis how wow. that's beautiful is that so i think um, there's um there's opportunities for us all yet then Yes. Well, I'm there. I, there's certainly to run. Last choice. Last choice, Mod Marty. Okay, so I didn't pick Motown, but I did think in terms of the value and importance of soul music. Uh, and so I did I picked Soul Time because this this to me also is a very mod soul track. Uh, Soul Time by by Shirley Elliston, also known as Shirley Ellis. And it is, whenever I go to a mod night, uh, you're bound to hear this. And it's, it does sort of say that soul is an important part of everything. Because it's Soul Time. And let's listen to Soul Time. Such a big tune, right? Such yeah, and every, people who don't know it love it because it's you know got counting and hand clapping and it's, it's soulful and it's 
it's everything everything yes it's everything (laughs) um so we've moved on to soul did you go on soul mr mr the law ward no mate no i i um as i said i generally don't think too hard about anything to be honest but generally when i'm asked to pick things uh and and the three tracks came to creation george fame my last one and and to me, this band is just synonymous with those swinging 60s is obviously the kinks. So the kinks and modernism go together like Canada and fire and ice, you know, they're just they're just always, always there. But the, the particular track I picked was um, was actually a flip. So got to move. Uh, it's just I don't know. I, I cycle through the kinks hits. Right. And uh, this is currently my favorite. Got to move. So release 1964. It's the flip of all day and all the night, I think. And it, um, it doesn't have that screaming Dave Davis kind of solo guitar stuff. It's more, I don't know, it's more melodic and more, it sort of plods through it. But yeah, it's just my favorite at the moment. And again, just budding DJs out there, if you want a, a cracking double sider for 20 bucks, go to that. Um, yeah, I, I think if you, if you looked up Freak Beat in the dictionary, you'd see this record. Oh, please listen to this. Move. Well, let's listen to it. <laughs> That's a total modernist track. And Isn't it's it? one of the, uh, it's got almost 200 BP, it's 200 BPM. Yeah. Like I, I organize my records in my DJ box by BPM. 
and I can always find that record because it's always at the back. It's wow. one of the highest BPM records I have. Wow, that's fascinating. I, I, I love people that have that organized DJs. My, uh, I'm so full of admiration for that. Oh, well, I think you're with me. I don't. I, I, um, I was chatting with um, uh, Jeremy from the block, who also organizes. Yeah, uh, he does yeah, a really yeah. good show. Really good show. Crossing Glass Salt. He he organizes in BPM. Yeah. Uh, I, I organize in the psychedelic um, drug sense that there is some organization, but I haven't worked out what it is. My, my record collection is like the universe. I know it's an organization to it, but I don't dare go into it in case it's votes. As long as you can always find your records. that's Well, that's another matter altogether. I've got a big gig this weekend and I have no idea where half of it is, which leads me to my final choice. And interestingly, I was going to, I was going to pick the kinks. Uh, was a couple I was going to choose. One was possibly the kinks. Um, early, really early banging kinks, right? Um, I thought was always so mod. And then I was thinking James Brown, Night Train, mostly because it was on Quadrophenia and it's just such a stripped back call track. 1961, right? Yeah. Um, but I've actually gone for the sole artist that the mods loved the most. And that is uh, Major Lance. Uh-huh. Um, and I've picked, and we're going to listen to it now, The Monkey Time. <laughs>
would you reckon, guys? Was that a good choice? Oh, absolutely. Spot on. Oh, and off the charts, another one man. Of, yeah, and another one of those artists that, as Mod went from Mod to Northern Soul, he was one of those artists that definitely crossed over into Northern Soul, right? Yeah, it's big Northern Soul. Big Northern Soul. I play him out a lot, and, and yeah. he is—he is called, you know, the soul artist of the mods. He, he was that person. Yeah. So yeah. he could—he kind of—he was seen as super cool, but not too kind of commercial. Yeah. That you can do it. You—you you kind of had to be in the know to know major marks, right, and deal with that thing. And speaking to my mate Trevor Bridge, who used to go to the Twisted Wheel in Manchester, he said Major Lance was the track. Major Lance was always the track. Yeah. Oh, that particular track, or. Like, cause it's the beat was, uh, it gets a lot of play over here, um, in the mod, in the mod circles, like, a, like, um, follow the leader. It's the beat, things like that, you know, not but just, not soul, just, um, the monkey time. It's all of it. Anything yeah. major Lance. Yeah. said it was, was pretty good. It's interesting. We talk, cause we're talking about mod, um, and we kind of wrap this up a little bit because he's up in Manchester and of course mod drags out, you know, there's yeah. that you're saying things go later. When in yeah. there, you're talking late 60s and mods still going in that yeah. soul. They just thing. found a new place to go. They just <laughs> done it. But also, London have moved on to that kind of more hippie ish and yes. heavy like, blues yeah. and heavy yeah. rock and all that sort of stuff. Whereas that kind of other things have moved on in the north of England and also moved on to Skinhead. And the reason, one of the reasons I didn't pick a reggae track, a ska track, which is deep in mid 60s, is it didn't exist. Because people right. didn't play it mm-hmm. at all. People say, oh, yeah, we used to listen to Scar. Well, not really. Unless you were Jamaican, you didn't listen to Scar until at least 68, 69. Yeah. Because it, it just didn't mm-hmm. exist. So that's the reason I didn't choose that. So it's my – what I'd like to end this up is, is almost where it started, where the Lord Ward said. Those three things you spoke about was the idea of kind of money in pocket, commercial, commercial. – where's your list of three words, Ward? Um, <sighs> no, you're not. You're not. I've prepared. lost my page. I've lost my page, man. <laughs> We're going like to put that on your tombstone. He lost the board and he lost his page. Um, Hedonism. Yes. Yeah, I think I think we need a drum roll for this, do we? Thank you. <laughs> Modernity, hedonism, consumerism—the three words that the trifecta. Perfect. Yes, trifecta. Perfect. Now, this is where we end this. This did that in the end eat modernism alive? No. I would say yes. Really? I would say commercialism made it, thinned it down to just become a thing that you bought and sold. Hedonism became hippieish and too hedonistic, and modernity. Well, I, we will stick with modernity, but I think the hedonism and consumerism wrecked for the, it. For the mainstream, yes, but for the yes. fringe and for those who really believe in modernism, it actually allowed it to go on and to separate themselves from it, to you know, go to the twisted wheel and start listening to Obscure Soul instead of going into the psychedelic and the um the skinhead and the 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 way that it broke out of modernism as a result of its popularity yeah, yeah i know what well, things are right about with it, like 
read about where the ideas of Ready Steady Go and that were very positive, but in the end it becomes too commercial. Yep. And I like the way this spins back around again because much like Canada, <laughs> things get burnt down. They're overused and burnt down and flooded and ruined. And out of that, new stuff grows. Yes. Is that a fair way to put it? It yes. is. And it's a nice segue for the next show. Well done. Yes. Sir. Well done. I think, I think that's it, really. That we agree that it's two or three years of beautiful growth and really interesting stuff mm. that just gets like everything like the end of absolute beginners that yeah the money and media get hold of it and it just like every other huge culture implodes yeah burns down like canada and um grows into something else which will be our next program right we haven't decided what that'll be yet what it grows into in the late post, 60s post post 60s mod post 60s revival mod and swayed and maybe into 70s post set. Is that yeah. a fair way to go to finish I think this? That's, that's spot absolutely. on, sir. Spot on. Spot on. Ace. Right. Gentlemen. <laughs> and apologies been... to anyone in Canada for um, our constant reference to your environmental <laughs> challenges. I started that ball rolling. I mean, it's it really on me. <laughs> so we, need to, we need to play some um, talking heads at that point. Burning down, <laughs> yeah, burning down the house. Gentlemen, as always, it's been almost a pleasure um and <laughs> thank you for your insights and your time and the music's been fantastic as always and uh, most entertaining um and we will leave this program uh for this episode and we'll rejoin it afresh afresh a new <laughs> new growth and I'm gonna, so i'm gonna say goodbye from me tim Spurrier, in the london bureau Roger that, and uh, the Lord Ward checking out from Australia. Ciao, ciao, and goodbye from now for now from Canada. Bye bye. You have logged off from the Internationalist Club. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.